0: You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. Hello Steelers fans, new Steelers podcast from your Chancellor. This one is about a couple of matters that are pissing me off. Usually you're going to get podcasts from me uh, either as a homer, which is certainly in the preseason where I'm optimistic and I'm frustrated by the attitude of talking heads and media regarding certain issues pertaining to the dealers going into the season but then during the season you'll get some very negative podcasts from me as i react to the reality of the season uh but the, the, my true view of my opinions and i mean this is I i call them as i see them i i, I am a, i'm a straight shooter and um i'm not saying that every opinion i share is the truth because it is just an opinion and I don't have inside information. I'm not a member of the media. I don't go to practices. I don't get to interview the players. I don't. Um, and I, But I also don't own any jerseys. I don't wear. I don't have any Steelers paraphernalia in my house. Other than uh, some stuff I bring out around the playoffs to jazz up the atmosphere. I don't even have a terrible towel. I had one for years and years and years. I got it. They're, uh, in 1979 to use during the Super Bowl that year. Um, uh, but something happened to it. I don't know. I think one of my kids took it back to their house when they were here one weekend, one of my boys and, and it just disappeared. So I don't believe I have a terrible towel. Um, be that as it may, my point is that I'm not a fanatical crazy fan. I don't have like 73 jerseys. I don't, I don't believe in things beyond reality. Uh, but I also, um, I'm not super negative and critical beyond reality. I think I have a pretty good judgment of the game of football, even though I've never played it. I do so uh, more from a a visual strategic perspective is the way I think I'm I'm a good football fan. I have been watching it intently uh, for 45 years. Um, I remember first becoming aware of and starting to watch football during the Steelers' playoff season of 1975. After they won their first Super Bowl uh, against the Vikings, I don't remember that one in January '94, I was not really in tune with it. I do remember being a little boy, uh, something in the neighborhood of six years old when Franco had the Immaculate Reception, and listening to that on the radio with my dad or my dad listening to it and him going crazy and it becoming an issue and something that mattered to me as a boy, but I was not a Steelers fan at that time. I can't really claim to be uh, to become a Steelers fan until. I was nine years old in 1975. But um, I've been an intense fan ever since, Uh, regular. Don't miss a game, uh, very different than some who miss games here and there of their favorite teams. I I just don't miss a Steeler game. Uh, I won't tape them, I won't watch them later, I must see them live. Uh, And when I get into a team, uh, it's very important. There's very few things in life that matter that are really important or that are joyful. Live sporting events, to me, are one of the more exciting, joyful things that exist in life. And so, when you when you've fallen in love with a team or a sport, uh, and you understand the excitement of a live sporting event, you know, unless you have to miss it due to work or due to an emergency or a death or some some overriding uh, thing, maybe you're away on vacation. But even then, you know, you can find a way to see it while you're on vacation. Uh, absent one of those. Rare occurrences. I mean, I just uh, refuse to miss uh, a very important live sporting event. And the thing about the NFL that makes it so exciting is that uh, there's only one game a week. And there used to be, when I was a kid, um, only 14 of them. And then they made it 16. Actually, I think it was less than that, wasn't it? Wasn't it, uh, Wasn't it 12 or something for a while? I'm trying to remember back. But I know it was 14. I know that. And then they made it 16. And now they've made it 17. And that probably is only going to last for a year or two because it's very bizarre and it's uneven. Then they'll make it 18. We'll go back to an even schedule. But when you only have one game a week over a a few months, um, it's not hard, in my opinion, to put away some time. To dedicate to that. And frankly, I like my Steelers Sundays or Monday nights. Uh, I put away the whole day. I, I enjoy, I love the one o'clock games. I like them early because you can get right to it. And then you have the afternoon to listen to sports talk. And then the next day I read all the newspapers or nowadays online, watch the highlights. Um, it's just a fun ritual. And um, because my team happened, the Pittsburgh Steelers happen to always be pretty damn good or better. Um, it's made it a relevant thing in my life, all of my life. Uh, the Steelers really only had a small patch of a, of really a downtime in my life, and that was in the eighties. After they won their fourth Super Bowl, um, you know, really during the eighties, there they were just not very relevant, didn't win a lot, and they still had some good players. And of course, I was still a fanatical fan. You know, being a, a, a teenage boy and then an early twenties guy. But they didn't really come around until um, until 9'2 when they re- when, the, when they hired Bill Cower, and he immediately turned the team around and made them relevant again and made them good and they really haven't looked back since. It has literally been pretty much 30 years uh, of, of, of an extremely good to great, always relevant football team. And I mean Tomlins, this is his 15th season, he's never had a losing season. So that'll tell you right there. I mean, just him alone, Mike Tomlin. We're talking about 14 straight seasons so far, and not a losing record among them. In fact, he was only 500 once, or maybe twice. Yeah, he did in 88, uh, in, in, in 2019, rather, just recently. They were eight and five, and they did lose their last three and go eight and eight. I think that was his second eight and eight season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I know for a fact he's never had a losing season. Bill Cowher had uh I think in his fifteen seasons I know he had at least one, I remember a six and ten season. Um, and I remember that might have been the season that led to them drafting uh, Ben Roethlisberger uh two thousand and four. I I think uh I think maybe in two thousand and three. That was a terrible year for Coward, if I recollect. But uh and then his last season, I think they finished up eight and eight after he won the Super Bowl. Um, I think he came back one more and eight and eight, but anyway, Hey, I'm, I'm digressing and I'm not looking at stats. I don't have the information in front of me. And what I think I remember is completely irrelevant to all of you. I know as it should be. And it's pretty much irrelevant to me. What I, what I only think I remember, I either have to remember it or I should just stfu, as they say. Um, so right, we're going to stick with the positive Steelers stuff right now because the season hasn't started. When the season starts and I see some negative things, don't worry. I'll be analyzing them if I choose to do a podcast. Can't promise I'm going to do one every week. But here is what I'm going to talk about briefly today. I'm going to talk about Devin Bush and the media. Because over the weekend, we we picked up this Joe Schubert guy who was a a Wisconsin football player. It was a walk-on in Wisconsin. Ended up being quite good there. And then a fourth-round draft pick of the Cleveland Browns uh, five years ago. He played four seasons for them, was quite good, and then signed a huge contract with Jacksonville, a five year deal. But he only played one year for them and their whole change in the regime there. Urban Meyer taking over. So they're just changing their whole defensive philosophy and dumping big contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So the Steelers got lucky and got a very good inside linebacker in a place where we need a very good inside linebacker. Um so what happened is over the weekend when he got here, he talked to the media and he said they're working with him to, 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 to have the green dot, which is, you know, worn by the usually a, an inside linebacker. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but it's a defensive player that calls the defense. The green dot means you're, you're one player out there on the field of the 11 defenders at a time is allowed to have a microphone in his helmet where he hears from the sidelines. The calls are made like the quarterback has in his helmet. The the defensive player who gets that uh, microphone has to have a green dot on his helmet. And so they say he wears the green dot. It's to mark that that's the guy that has the mic and only one's allowed to have it because otherwise it's cheating. Everyone can't be mic'd up and be, you know, be puppeteered basically from people up high in the booze and everything. So there's one guy, and he's getting the call, and he's getting it either from Tomlin in our case usually or Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator. And then he calls out to the defense and positions them and basically orchestrates the defense according to the call he gets in his headset. So usually the player who has the green dot is is your guy that's going to play every down because if he's not in there, um, then you don't have your defensive play caller in there. Now, you, you, you don't have to have only one guy on the team have the green dot. That's another misnomer or misunderstanding. You can have a couple of them. But they just can't be on the field at the same time. So you don't want two people to have the green dot and then be on the field at the same time. So it is it is a little bit confusing how they manage that if they give the green dot to more than one person. Uh, they don't want to give it to people they anticipate being on the field at the same time. Or maybe there's a second helmet and they have to wear that without the green dot on it. I don't know. Not sure exactly how they juggle that, but... But normally they they pick the one player, and he's on the field all the time, and that's why they give him the green dot, because they want him to be out there all the time calling the plays. Well, coming into last year, they decided to give Bush, Devin Bush, Michigan grad, the green dot. Uh, prior to that, it had been Vince Williams playing middle linebacker. And um, they, they they wanted Williams off the field more, because Williams is a big linebacker. Tackles downhill, as they call it, which means he moves towards the line of scrimmage. Very good against the run. Very good for tackles for losses behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, He's been a good pass rusher. He retired uh, this year, however. Um, So that left a hole. Last year, he got COVID briefly. And also, Devin Bush got injured after six uh, weeks in the season. Six games into the season. He was out the whole rest of the year. He blew his knee out. So uh, we gave we had given last year, starting the season, the green dot to Devin Bush. I mean, we did trade up and take him tenth pick overall, first round draft pick, and we traded up to get him. And we sacrificed a, I think it was a third round pick to get to move up. And um, you know, he 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 wasn't that good in his first year. He was okay. He's a little short. So he's a little bit lacking in coverage of the big, tall, uh, tight ends over the middle or some of the tall rider receivers. But he's good on running backs and any other people in the slot or people that come out. And what you need from inside linebackers these days used to be you had, if you had a 3-4 like the Steelers, you had two outside and two inside. And your insiders were the thumpers, the big guys. The olden days it was people like, you know, LaVon Kirkland. Um, Or even if you had an athletic guy. Uh, he wasn't sideline to sideline fast. He wasn't cover a wide receiver fast. He wasn't pick up one of their best guys out of the backfield fast. Uh, but he was he was good, like James Ferrier, very good linebacker, number one draft pick we got from the Jets. Very effective, ended up being a very good stealer. But he wasn't elite like today, like you need, like Brian Shazier was. We had Brian Shazir, number one draft pick from Ohio State. That guy could tackle, play Downfield, tackle behind the line of scrimmage, but also cover really good because he was really fast. He had a slight build, but he was extremely strong. But we know about his uh, accident on the field, his paralyzation, and he's done with football now. Thank God he was able to walk again. But uh, we lost him and we've been hurting. Our scheme really changed towards him because. What you need now is not the big thumpers inside. Well, you need them on first down, second down, on running downs. You still need those guys that can can stop the run, can plug the holes, can move up on the line of scrimmage, can stop the running back from even getting to the line of scrimmage. You need that in your run defense. And your middle linebackers are big for that. But unfortunately, in the NFL today, people pass on first down. People pass on second down. They pass on every down. And most teams pass more than they run. Um and so when you have that big inside linebacker on the field, you're, uh, you're, you, you have a detriment to your defense on the field. And you want the big guy in there to make the tackles, but when he's in there and they pass, they burn them. And they see that and they know it. And the quarterback switches off to a play and he gets a good receiver on, for example, Vince Williams and you burn him. And Vince Williams looks like a bum and they move the chains or get a touchdown. And you were burned because this really good player, Vince Williams, stinks in coverage a lot if he gets a really good player to cover. And they saw it. They saw the mismatch. They used it. And they burned him. So what you want is a linebacker in there who can handle the run, but he can play every down. And so if they want to switch off to a pass, fine, bring it. We got a good guy in here who he can play the run, but he's also good in coverage. And so you want to take your chances throwing it at had him good luck, you know. And that's why you want these faster, a little bit smaller, but still bigger than safeties, still bigger than cornerbacks. But you want them a little bit smaller than the average linebacker, and you want them faster. That's who you want, an inside linebacker now. Because teams only play their base defense about 40% of the time nowadays. Um, The Steelers played theirs, I think it was 39% last year. Again, do we care what Ray thinks but forgets? No. But anyway... (laughs) The rest of the time, they have what they call the dime. I'm sorry, the nickel, which is the um, where you 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 take out one of your linebackers and you only leave one guy in there, and you put in a third cornerback, a slot corner, uh, and then you have what they call the dime, where you can take out all linebackers and leave it and put in. Uh, uh, you know, you have your two safeties, your two cornerbacks, and then two more cornerbacks. You could have six defensive backs in there, or you could leave in uh, one of your middle linebackers still, uh, and take and just put, have the, have the slot corner and your safeties and move a safety up in the box. So there's ways they configure the dime. Basically, it just means fewer big guys. Dime means pass, pass, pass. Nickel means pass. Uh, the base defense is for run or pass. We don't know what they're going to do. We feel like they're probably going to run, and so therefore we'll put in our bigger guys. So that's, what, that's the terminology, basically. Um, but most of the time people are passing, and even on first downs, even in guessing that this is probably a rundown, you get burned. So ideally you'd like to have your, your big guys, your linebackers in the middle, be able to stay in all the time. Um, and, you you know, you'd like two guys that you could keep in all the time. That's what you would like. But they would have to be fast or they have to be Ryan Shazier, you know. So when we traded up and got Devin Bush, that's what we thought we were getting. Um, by all accounts, he was a fantastic player in college. I remember hearing uh, Dan Deerdorf on the radio after we drafted him go on and on and on about what a fine, upstanding, wonderful man he is, what a great player he is. Well, he wasn't too fine, upstanding with his Twitter account this this offseason. Um And some of the comments he's made to the media about it since, not too fine and upstanding. He seems like he's kind of a jerk now, all of a sudden. And guys get money and guys get a little attention and they get out of college and they become jerks a little bit. Um, So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully he's not a big jerk. Hopefully he was just having some fun. He's going to come around and be decent. And hopefully, more importantly, the people in the locker room and the players and the coaches don't think he's a jerk. And with them, he's cool and everything's cool. Uh, That's what I hope. Uh, With me, he's not super cool right now because of the the cat video that was a pretty horrific thing and he kind of was a smart aleck about it he wasn't joking per se but i didn't like the tweet anyway here's the point last year he got the green dot he came into the season and guess what he was great i noticed a tremendous improvement our defense at the beginning of last year was super elite it was fantastic and it was number one now we finished third In every stat. Number one in sacks. Uh, But we were number one in turnovers. We were number one in yards and points. We were number one in every category for about half the year. Then we started getting injuries. Starting in week six, Devin Bush was great. He was wearing the dot, looked really good. uh, And then he blew out his knee. And he missed the whole rest of the year. So now with the ACL repair, usually takes at least 10, 11 months. Before you get back. And usually they say even a a full year. Well, of course, if it was a full year, that would be about game four or five of the regular season this year. But, you know, he's back. He's cleared to play full strength. He's cleared. But he hasn't played much yet or practiced much. And so we put him in the first preseason game Saturday. And he didn't look very good. But it was his first game action since the knee injury. But here's the important point, too. And I'm not sure how he's looked in practice because I haven't been there. But we were already in the process of making the Joe Schobert deal, deal to get the inside linebacker from Jacksonville before the game started. And the announcement that it was a done deal came out during the first quarter, right at the beginning of that game. The point is, it was not Bush's performance in that game that led them to make that trade, okay? It's really important to understand that. That... Uh, and they certainly weren't giving up on Bush prior to that game. They hadn't even seen him yet in game action since his injury. So maybe they were, maybe and by they, I mean the Steelers. So maybe they were a little bit miffed at his tweets. Maybe they were a little bit concerned with, with his attitude on Twitter and in general. And maybe they were a little bit disappointed in some of his play in practice. Maybe. But I really believe that the main reason they got Joe Sherbert and were concerned was because Vince Williams retired, and they were disappointed more so in Robert Spillane, who did play in the first preseason game, who they did get real game action looking look at uh, against uh, uh, who was our first game. Uh, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, not in the Hall of Fame game. So before they went for Joe Spillane, a uh, Joe before they went for for Joe Schobert, they saw Robert Spillane in a in game action in the preseason. So if you're going to blame anyone for why did they need Why is this an indictment of Bush? No, it it was really, truly, you have to accept it as kind of an indictment of Robert Spillane. And you know what else was an indictment of Robert Spillane? Last year when when Bush got hurt, we made him the main pass coverage guy, and and then all of a sudden we had to go get Avery Williamson from the Jets because obviously he wasn't cutting it then either. Bottom line is (laughs) I don't think the Steelers ever had real plans on Spillane being a mainstay in that defense. I think they hoped for Bush to come back fully healthy and to pick up where he left off last year. And and then I think they kept were keeping their I think they wanted Buddy Johnson, and they drafted in the fifth round maybe, to be a little bit more advanced than he is. And I think they're disappointed in what they've seen by Spillane. But I think they were keeping their eyes open all along. And I think, you know, especially when Vince Williams retired, I think they were always looking to get an inside linebacker. And they finally just found him, and they got him. And I really don't think it's that related to Devin Bush at all. And here's the really important thing I wanted to say. is that People's take on this that are trying to spin it, that that the fact that they talked about giving the green dot to Showbird and not Bush, and that this is an indictment of Bush too, a further indictment. They, they, they also talk about he's, he, they've had him two full years. They had, he's had two full years to show them that he's the stud that they want and, and and that he can make the calls and be the play caller inside, and he you know obviously they they don't feel that he's shown it yet. That's what they said. That's what Chris Mahler especially said on the radio. But also this real jerk off guy called Dave Bryan who does this podcast, um, terrible podcast. He said that he's basically said, do you think he's actually said, dude, you might be. Are we should we start questioning whether they're going to pick up his fifth year option? That's what he said. He actually said, should we start questioning whether or not they're going to pick up Devin Bush's fifth-year option? I mean, I, what I don't understand is, what, what, it's like, are these people delusional? Are, are they, do they not believe in sickness, illness, injuries? Do they not have any compassion or understanding of what happens when that happens? I mean, try to think back, Chris Mahler and Dave Bryan. Use your brains, if they still exist, and remember the way Devin Bush looked after, in, in Game 6 last year. How did you feel about him? I know how I felt. And if if you both didn't think he was looking really, really good and exciting, then you weren't watching the games. Um, he was looking really good. And then he blew his knee out, and we haven't seen him since. And he finally got a little action in the second preseason game just last week. That's it. And, no, yeah, he got burnt. But, look, he's just getting his feet wet again, as Tomlin said after the game. That's the very phrase he used. I, I don't understand... Why do you think, how could you say he's had two, two full years? How could you say they've had two years to assess him? They haven't. They had one year and five games, which is, last I checked, a third of a year. So they had one and a third years. So don't say they've had two. They didn't. And guess what? He was making very good progress in his second year, in that third of a year. So here's the thing. Even though he's cleared to play, Everyone I know that knows anything about knee injuries that I've heard speak to the matter says that your first year back after ACL repair, you're usually a little bit off and that it truly takes a full season back before you get, especially uh, before you get back to full capability, especially if you are someone who uses that knee to cut and move and jump. Like if you're not an offensive lineman, like Zach Banner last year, he blew his out. He should have it easier. Now, he's bigger and he's heavier, so they're taking him along slower. But he doesn't use that knee to cut and jump and move and run as much. So he may not need the whole year to repair, but he, you know, he's a big guy, so the weight on it's more stress. That's his issue. But if you're a running back or wide receiver or cornerback or one of these inside linebackers that is supposed to go sideline to sideline and cover people a lot, I think your knee matters. And I think it's likely it's going to take Bush a while here to get back to where he was. And I think the Steelers think that. So I think getting a guy, giving them the green dot and preparing him to play every down and maybe not Bush is because they want their best guys on the field. But that doesn't mean that they've lost faith in Bush. It doesn't. To me, it means they're, they're... They're sane and they're smart and they understand football injuries in a way that Dave Bryant clearly doesn't, in a way that Chris Muller maybe intentionally doesn't because they want to create a story and spin crap on the radio and make drama where it doesn't exist. Because the Steelers understand that he's probably not going to be as good as he was just yet. That doesn't mean they're giving up on him. It means that they understand how ACL repairs work. You get it? That's all. So they're giving him some time. They're not questioning him. They're not challenging him. They're not saying, oh, I don't know, this is his third year, but should we worry about his fifth-year option now like Dave Bryant is doing? No, they're not thinking that way because they're not insane like stuttering Dave Bryant, right? Right. No, they're thinking, uh, we want to win these games this year, every game, and we want to have a fully capable guy on the field, all three downs, and we'll let Bush come along, and when he gets back... To where he's Devin Bush, the way he looked last year again, he will be better than Joe Schobert. And then he'll wear the green dot. And then he'll be in every down. But that may take him till the fifth or sixth game of the year, because as I said, the common understanding is it takes about a year, a full twelve months to get to really get back. You can be clear to play and healthy, but to get the strength back, it takes a full twelve months and then th- Others have said it takes a full season back before even the year next is when he'll be back. But who knows? The point is he could get it back sooner. People believe in him. You know Jerry Olsofsky, the inside the linebackers coach, inside linebackers coach, totally believes in him. He's a different mindset, and a different work ethic. He said this, and um, what might be. Uh, uh, An obstacle to others is just a bump in the road to someone like Devin Bush. That's what he said about the knee injury in the offseason. And I, I believe they believe that. I don't think they're just blowing smoke. So what I'm saying is don't read into the Steelers getting Schobert or giving him the green dot in terms of what it really means about how they feel about Bush. I guess you can read into it to this extent. Bush's recovery isn't full yet. He's not back yet completely. He's not ready yet. They don't have full confidence that he's where he was last year. Um, But this idea of like they gave him two full years and he's not what they expected. Um, He had an injury. Um, He's just coming back from it. Um, You and they only saw like, I don't know how many snaps he got, 15. I don't know. He didn't get many snaps uh, Thursday. And that was his first game back. So please, they're not making a giant conclusion about him already and they haven't decided he's not what they thought. And anyone worrying about that is so small-minded because we just went through Bud Dupree and we watched Bud Dupree for like three seasons look like crap and then a light went off and he suddenly was great and then we had to get rid of him. (laughs) But the point is how quickly we forget I mean, it's very normal. It's natural. It's common that sometimes these players take a while to get their, their stuff together. I, for one, saw a tremendous improvement in Devin Bush last year. And I was excited. And our defense was elite when he was on that field. And when he got injured, we, we dropped off a bit. And then when we lost by Dupree, we really dropped off. And we were just a good defense by the time we were at the end of the year and in the playoffs. We weren't even very good, let alone elite, um, because those two players were great. But so, but I believe in Bush. And um, I have not given up on him. And I guarantee you the Steelers haven't. And getting Schobert is, is much about losing Vince Williams and about Robert Spillane's uh, uh, overall growth as it is anything about Devin Bush. And if it means anything about Devin Bush at all, it's about his full return to the way he was from his knee injury. And look, that's not even guaranteed, okay? It's not guaranteed that he ever will he, uh, will fully recover and be the player he was. Uh, but that's an outside possibility. That's all. The point is, it does no harm whatsoever to bring Schobert in, give him the green dot, even if they make him the every down back, uh, inside backer right away. That's not going to harm. That does not mean they're giving up at all on Bush. It means that they're watching Bush carefully. They're, they're going to study his game tape. They're going to study him in the game. The moment they think he's back and back to being a level of a star, which, Schobert is never going to be a star. He's just a very solid, very good player. Um, they'll, they'll give him the green dot and he'll be in every down. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. They're just keeping an eye on him. And no, it's not because they doubt him and have some serious doubts and are questioning the fifth-year option. It's because he had a knee injury and has been out a long time. and um, you know, And he's not yet back to the level he was playing at when he got injured. But he was playing at that higher elite level when he got injured. He was. I saw it. It was real. It was happening. Yeah, he still got burned a couple times here and there. So so no, he's short. He's he's gonna get burned. Look, everybody gets burned. Rod Woodson got burned. It happens. It doesn't matter how good you are. Deion Sanders got burned. People get burned. I remember uh in, in the Denver championship game in Denver, Ben Roethlisberger, his uh second year when we won the Super Bowl. Um we we were leading twenty four to three at halftime we went into Denver and they were they were the number 1 team in the AFC that year and we had gone on the road to beat or actually maybe it was Indianapolis but we had gone on the road to beat Cincinnati then we went into Indianapolis with Peyton Manning and they were a machine that year and we beat them and the championship game was in Denver and i believe it was the last touchdown that put us up 24 to 3 and after Ben threw it he did this gun shooting from the hip old west thing back and forth gun boom 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 from his hips And it was fun and it was exciting. But I believe it was that throw where uh, I forget who the touchdown was thrown to, but he beat Champ Bailey, who was an all pro, not just Pro Bowl, all pro cornerback from the Denver Broncos. And I remember the game field tape watching the highlights later on uh, the NFL Films highlight, or maybe it was HBO, um, where they're talking. And I think it was, I think it was. Ben saying, or Tomlin saying at half, or I guess it was Cower rather. That was Cower. That was the Cower days. I think I said, Champ Bailey. I went after, that yeah, was Champ Bailey. I saw him look one way and I went back the other and he bit. He bit when I looked him off. Ben looked one way and Bailey bit and he threw back the other way and Bailey was beaten. Champ Bailey. Okay. My point is, Champ Bailey was all pro. And that was the AFC championship game. And he got beat. So please. Stop whining about Devin Bush got beat by a really good player. It was a really good player that beat Devin Bush, by the way. I forget who, for for, for, um, the Eagles on Thursday in that game. It was a really good player. It's like, Devin Bush got beat by a really good player in his first game back after being off for months with knee surgery. Yeah, that's right. He did. But, you know, that doesn't mean he can't be really good like a star still. Stars get beat by other stars. And especially when they're coming back from knee surgery. So anyway, that's all. I just wanted to... I don't understand why the media is so anti-Steeler that they have to create drama surrounding players and situations that are obviously very important to the Steelers' success. These are situations and players that, if you trash them and you're right, the Steelers' season could be in serious trouble. So why would you want to, want to do that What's the benefit as someone who's supposedly here to talk about the Steelers with Steeler fans? I mean national media doesn't even care about Devin Bush. They don't even know about him still So they're not gonna be dredging up some story and acting like the Steelers Traded up to get the 10th pick and he stinks now. They're they're considering him a bust They're they're gonna cut him (laughs) You know, they're not they're not doing that and they're never going to they don't care about shit like that yet that's local media stuff and But they're making it up and they're doing this drama And it's way over the top It's way, way, way over the top I mean people that are actually insiders That know the Steelers super well That are actually there Not Chris Smaller, not Dave Bryan Those clowns don't even go to practices No, people like Dale Lawley Who I have a lot of issues with But we won't go into those um, And it was the other guy um, uh, I'm I'm, 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 I'm missing the name now who's, who's the media guy but it's someone who goes to the practices uh, uh, they, they have not uh, uh, indicated anything in the way of the Steelers uh, oh, oh that's right it was Jim Wexel okay now these guys are around the Steelers a lot and have been for years and they know the Steelers and Jim Wexel thought when they got Joe Schobert that he wasn't even going to start he was so convinced that the Steelers were still backing Robert Spillane so much that Schobert was to be the third inside linebacker and like an option and a backup thing. And then when people were calling him nuts because they said, did you see his contract? Did you see all that money we're going to have to pay him? Did you see, you know, and then you don't pay the guy that much money and then don't start him. Well, as it turns out, they are starting him and Jim Wexel was wrong. But my point is a connected guy who has been around the Steelers. Didn't even believe that Schobert would replace Spillane. He was surprised. So, so my point is, okay, what we found from this move is that, yeah, they don't think as much of Spillane. He doesn't look as good as they hoped. And they did have a, a full game to look at him, or at least portions of a full game, uh, prior to making this move. They did not have a chance to even look at Bush in the first preseason game. So it's logical, makes sense, and is in fact the truth that this move is an indication that they've lost some faith in Spillane. But it also is an indication that they've been looking for some inside linebacker help since they drafted Buddy Johnson and then since William then's retired, Williams retired. So I think those are the issues and not anything to do with Bush. And I think anyone panicking, hitting the panic button and reading into too much on Bush already is just looking to stir up trouble, is a troublemaker, is a bad actor, and is a jerk-off. And that's how I feel about Chris Muller and Dave Bryant in general. I do. I've been listening to them. I still listen to them mainly because of their partners. I like Andrew Filippone on the radio with Chris Muller. I think he's very controversial, but I, I think he's smart about his controversies. He picks his fights, and when he's over the top and he's ludicrous, it's funny because he goes he goes for it, man. It's ludicrous. Where Chris Muller's just angry and tries to fight about everything, and he's very anti-Steelers. Filippone's not anti-Steelers. He just picks certain issues and hammers them home. But Muller really... I think hates the Steelers and hates Steeler fans, you know, and really loves the Cleveland Browns. And it's just horrible to hear him on the radio. Why is he on a Pittsburgh radio? And Dave Bryan, he runs this shitty website. Well, it's okay. But he he's, he does his podcast with this kid named Alex Gazora. But Alex is reasonable, a little too reasonable, a little too logical for my taste. But at least he's sound and solid, and he's the guy that actually goes to practices because he lives here, where Dave lives in fucking Vegas. Um... And uh, so I, I like listening to him, and I think he has good input. And he basically runs the podcast. But Dave Bryan, who stutters like a, oh my God, it's awful. You know, I, I'm not into making fun of stutterers, but Dave Bryan, he just shouldn't have a radio. It's not like he's worked on his stutter. He's better at it. It's awful. And I honestly believe, and I do believe this, he plays it out. I think he stutters more than he has to. I think he likes forcing us, and he's, he's a very in your face, cocky. Uh, smarter than you, smartest guy in the room type of guy. And I think he likes making us like fingers on, like fingernails on a chalkboard. He likes stuttering over and over and over again so that we just want to pull our hair out. He likes doing that to us because he thinks if you're listening, even through my stutter, you must realize I'm a genius. It's like, no, moron. We're just waiting till your partner talks. We don't like anything you have to say. And now, look, every once in a while, I'm not going to bash him completely. Every once in a while, he has a sane day where he's not a complete prick, and he makes some very good points. And I like the guy. Uh, On a given day, he's like, okay. I never liked the guy, but let me just say, on a given day, he'll be like, well, he didn't make me. The other thing is he, he snorts cocaine during the broadcast. There's no question. Because when Alex tries to talk, you always hear him going <sniffs> all the time. Whenever he stops talking and stops stuttering, stuttering and it lets the other guy speak, you hear him. And it's like, dude, can't you at least mute the mic? I mean, Myron Cope drank during the Steelers broadcast, but it didn't. Deplete from the listening experience, you know? It didn't derogate, it didn't have a bad effect on the listening experience. So now you're making us hear you sniff. Now we know you're coked up. You're talking real fast, yet you stutter all the time. You're a mess, dude. He's a mess. He's a mess and he has many, many, many points of view that are just intended to cause controversy. And he constantly is picking fights with his listeners. He says things like, I know people don't like to hear that. And I know people come at me, they're coming at me with this and they're coming at me. Just like, just shut up. Just do the podcast. Don't talk about what the people are doing. Without us, you don't have any money, you fucking gambling cokehead psychopath in Vegas. I mean, honestly, just shut the fuck up and do your podcast. He's constantly cross-referencing the fans and he'll take the side of a player when the player is in a dispute with Pittsburgh fans because he wants to rip on the fans. And then he'll create an issue, and when he knows it's, ooh, I touched the nerve with the fans, the fans are attacking me on this, and he'll, he'll hammer it home, the next episode, and the next podcast, he'll hammer it home, hammer it home. Hammer, even though it's insane and illogical, he'll stick with it, because he likes, he likes bothering the fans. And if you ever followed him on Twitter, he tweets like a maniac. He's definitely bipolar, and he has mostly manic episodes, because he's tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and tweeting, all hours of the night. Like everything he spits it out spits it out you can't follow him you cannot follow the guy on twitter cuz he fills up your timeline with his bullshit and i'm a steelers fan but basically what you have to do is just search him every once in a while and scroll through his stuff for anything that steelers related but but and, and, and you know cuz you can't have it in your feed cuz he just won't he's insane and he retweets his own tweets over and over and over again he's insane he's arrogant he's and he's insufferable to listen to and he just creates these asinine opinions often. And he throws them out there and puts his poor partner, Alex Kazor on the, on the spot and forces him to try to field the question. And Alex just has to reasonably go, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. And he just takes a wishy-washy ride the fence way to deal with his crazy partner, you know. But anyway, I yeah. So I listen to Chris Mahler on the radio. I don't – not on the radio. I play their commercial-free podcast. I skip through the commercials because I like his partner and I put up with Dave Bryan skipping through much of his stuttering bullshit because I like his partner. But on this fine day, they happen to both pontificate similarly. Uh, that somehow the end is nigh for Devin Bush. And uh, they questioned that. Now, Dave Bryan will walk it back, walk it back. I didn't say that. I never said anything like that. I just said it wouldn't surprise me if he won every All-Pro and won it all. I I also said he could win everything and win all Super Bowls playing every position. I said that, too. I said he's the greatest player in Steelers history. I also said that, 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 that. That's what he'd say. He'd walk it back and pretend like he said all kinds of other great things about Bush, which he didn't. And he'll pretend like he didn't say, what about his fifth-year option? It's like, uh, mentally ill, Button. Can we hit it? <laughs> mentally ill, person on the podcast. White coat man, please come in. Come get him. Seriously. I mean, they're worried about that. They, they, they may not. I mean, that's so crazy. And then Chris Muller did a whole, like like argument like he was a closing argument before the jury that Devin Bush is a big disappointment basically and one of his key salient points was they gave him two full years to prove that he was the man they thought he could be and he has not shown it in two years like um hi Chris Muller did you watch last year yeah did you see him get injured in the first third of the year Okay, that's why in two full years <laughs> he didn't show them that, okay. <laughs> anyway, they're crazy, they're insane, and they made me do a podcast supporting Devin Bush because it's ridiculous that, um, that the Steelers are giving up on him and the signing of Joe Schobert has nothing to do with, with uh, Devin Bush, or very little. Uh, and if they give him the green dot, it's because uh, it takes time to come back from an injury. The guy was injured, had a knee surgery. And and as soon as they think he's back in the groove, believe me, he'll be the every down linebacker. And I believe he will get there. I do. I don't like his tweets. Not a big fan of him mentally right now. Hopefully he gets his shit together. Uh, but I don't think, other than that, I don't think the Steelers are at all disappointed in him yet or think less of him at all. And I think anyone trying to imply that, is insane and really should be shut down and shut off the air. No one should have to listen to Chris Muller and Dave Bryan ever again. I, Oh, they're so awful. They're the worst. I wish that someone would put a curse on them and their tongues would fall out. I mean, seriously. They can write. They can do whatever. I guess Chris Muller's useless unless he can do radio. He'll have to go back to, I don't know what he does, uh, flipping burgers at McDonald's or whatever. But Dave Bryan, he can run his website from afar and pay his little people to do the work and go to his gambling addiction and do his cocaine without a tongue it's i mean honestly be perfectly capable of still laying down his bet snorting his coke you know and 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 dictating his employees we just don't have to hear him stutter uh, we don't have to hear him uh create insane completely unsubstantiated theories that are created just for the sake of upsetting fans and starting fights with fans we don't have to put up with that anymore it'd be wonderful So, God, if you're up there or witches that are out there or people with uh, voodoo dolls, please do that. Could you create a curse for the tongues of Chris Mahler on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh and Dave Bryan, who runs uh, Steelers Depot and does a podcast called The Terrible Podcast with Alex Kazora as well. But please attack the tongue of Dave Bryan, not Alex Kazora, because his tongue does good. Uh, Attack Dave Bryan's tongue and Chris Mahler's tongue. Thank you. Thank you, gods and evil forces of voodoo and whatnot. And thank you for listening to my podcast. I love you. yabba da